we get to start a brand new sermon series today. Uh, and this is one that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Um, and so I'm, I'm really, uh, this is kind of going to lead us into Easter this year. Um, and so it's hard to, to, to believe Easter is getting close, but uh, really, I guess Easter is six weeks away. So, uh, so that we'll have five weeks of this sermon and, and then, uh, then we get into Easter. So uh, let me just kind of jump in today by talking about our mission here at Cornerstone. Our mission, uh, and this is something that the elders worked on to, to kind of uh, condense and, and get to, to where we can remember it and share it. Uh, we worked on this and we came up with this statement, working together to make disciples of Jesus who transform their world. Uh, and we could take a lot of time to unpack that, but from the beginning, Cornerstone has been about making disciples. We've been about uh, really church is so much more than what happens uh, on Sunday morning. It's so much more than just tuning into a live stream. We're thankful you are. But church goes far beyond that, goes far beyond what happens here. Church is really about what happens when we leave these four walls. What happens as we live our life during the week? Um, and so our mission then is to, to go and make disciples. And, and I feel like we live in a time and an age where people, they want to make an impact with their life. We see this so much in, the, in, in our younger generations. They, they want to, 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 to have this influence. They want to, to be able to say, my life mattered. Uh, I, I did something to, to make a difference in the world. And I really think that's why everyone kind of aspires to be uh, social media influencers and YouTube stars. And uh, they, they're looking for their way to put a stamp on the world and say, hey, I'm making a difference. And that's the world we live in. But in kind of biblical terms, Jesus comes along and says, hey, if you want to be an influencer, if you want to make an impact, if you want to make a difference, then you do it a little bit different way. In John uh, 3.30, this is what he said. He said, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And so if we want to be, uh, if we want to have this level of influence in our life, if we want to be able to, to stand and say, I want to make a difference, then we do it by saying Jesus becomes greater and we become less. It's not about drawing attention to ourselves. And I read a book last summer. Uh, it was called Bless, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change Your World. It's by a pastor named Dave Ferguson. Uh, lives up in near the Illinois area, uh, Naperville, Illinois. Um, when I read it, I'm like, man, uh, this is, it was a good book. And it's one of those that just stuck with me. And as I read it, I'm like, this is something I've got to share with Cornerstone. Um, and it was all about really, it, to, to boil it down, is how we do evangelism in today's modern time. And uh, I'll just say that I'm not a huge fan of anything that's a formula. You do this, you do this, and you get, do this, and then it equals this, right? I, I don't feel like formulas work in today's world. I think we need relationships over formulas, um, and so when I read this book, I'm like, okay, uh, this really is just a simple everyday way that we can all do, everyone can do this, 
Uh, we can understand, we can share, and we can put it into practice, and we can start living it out. So uh, after I read the book, uh, you know, I emailed up and said, hey, do we have permission to, to kind of share this, uh, some information from the book, and uh, share this uh, acronym? And he's like, absolutely, and they, they've been great uh, to, to encourage us. So um, if you want to read more and go a little bit deeper, feel free to check out the book. Again, it's Blessed by Dave Ferguson. And so um, I like it because it's a book that's not about us, right? It's not about drawing attention to ourselves and saying, look at me, look at how awesome I am. It, it's, a, it's how we live in such a way that we take the attention off of ourselves and we refocus it on God. And so if you've been transformed by God's love, we can't help but say, I, I want others to experience that. And, and so how do we share it? without scaring people away? How do we share it in a world uh, that doesn't always want to hear it? For most Christians, I, I would say evangelism is a little bit intimidating and scary. Uh, but what if there's a more organic, a more authentic way, a more real way that we can share what God is doing in our life with our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors? And, and that's really what this series is going to be all about. Uh, and to kind of jump in this morning, I want to take us all the way back to Genesis. Uh, to, a, to, a, to, to really how God promised Abram, um, his covenant promise with Abram, how he promised him that he was going to use Abram to be a blessing. So in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, says, The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but there was a word that kept getting repeated in that. Did you catch it? Uh, he said to Abram, I will bless you and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. And not only that, all people on earth will be blessed through you. So five times we have this word bless here. And so what does this mean? I, I think when we think about bless, we're thinking like, okay, God, I want you to bless me. And when we're saying bless, we're thinking, I want you to give me money. <laughs> I want to be comfortable. I want to have what I want. That's how we associate blessing in our life for some reason in our, in our world today. You think if I'm blessed and I have everything I need, have everything I want, then I, I, can, I, I can live a life of comfort. And I'm afraid that's kind of how we've framed this idea of blessing in our world and our culture today. It's like if I'm blessed, then I can do whatever I want. That's not really what God's promise to Abram is about here. First, he tells him, you're going to have to leave where you are. You're going to have to get uncomfortable. You're going to have to go. And not only that, you're going somewhere that you don't even know where you're going. I'm going to show you as you are ready. It takes a lot of faith to just trust God in such a way. It's like, I'm going to, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go. Don't really know where I'm going. I know you'll tell me when I need to know, but that's still tough. Not only that, Abram is at a point where... At this time, right, he's old, he's getting old and doesn't have kids. And God says, I'm going to bless all nations through you and your descendants. And he's like, wait a minute here. How's that going to work? It's going to take some trust on his part to, to see how God plays this out, how it works out in the end. Um, but God says, here's my plan for you. 
You're going to trust me, and as you trust me, I'm going to use you to be a blessing to others. I'm going to use you to to be a blessing. And that brings me to my first point this morning. We have been blessed so that we can be a blessing. We have not been blessed so that we can be comfortable. We have not been blessed so we can make our life all about ourselves. The American dream is like, hey, let's retire early. Let's like kick back. Let's enjoy life. Let's do whatever we want to do. Let's, ex- let, let's live in that blessing that God has given us. What God is saying, though, you have been blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. It, it, it's completely turning it around and making us think about how we can live our life for the sake of others. And so not only are we to be on a mission wherever we go, everything we need to accomplish that mission, it comes from just trusting God. He's going to send us where he wants to send us. He's going to do with us what he wants to do so that we can be a blessing. And so what if we viewed blessings as opportunities? Not blessed to hoard it. I'm not blessed to use it all on myself, but I'm blessed so that I can be a blessing to others. Now, you may be saying, Mike, that, that's, that's good, but that's all Old Testament stuff. That's Genesis. That's God and Abram and Abraham, and, he's, and that's the promise to the Jews. And uh, that, that doesn't have anything to do with me. Well, let me take you to the New Testament and what Paul says about it. Because Paul takes what was written there and pulls it out and applies it to us today. This is what he says in Galatians. He says in chapter 3, verse 7, he said, So the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. We've been brought into, grafted into this promise. So the same promise God gave Abraham that all nations will be blessed through you applies to those who have put their faith in Christ today. So God is in essence telling us today here at Cornerstone in Galax, Virginia, okay, I want you to be a blessing. I want to use you to be a blessing to others. And so this whole series is, about, is, is all about how we do that. How do we bless our neighbor? How do we put this into practice? How do we live this out? And, and I think so many of us say, well, I know, okay, that's good, but someone else can do it for me. <laughs> that's not a, a choice that God has given us. If we are working together to make disciples of Jesus who transform their world, it means we have to work together. It means we all have to find our role and use our gifts and our abilities and our talents. And this is not about who's an extrovert and who's an introvert. This is not who is comfortable talking about their faith and those who would rather not. This is not about who's a Bible expert and who is just a new believer. This is how we work together to be a blessing. And so when we look at the life of Jesus, this is what we see. We see that he was a blessing. We see that when people came into contact with him, right, that they had those experiences with God. We see his entire life 
was about blessing people, and they didn't even realize it at the time so often. And he would come up and he would share something. He would heal them. He would tell them something. He gave them a blessing from God. It's not always what they expected or what they wanted, but in hindsight, they could see they were blessed. And then when he stood and talked on the, the Sermon on the Mount, he really blew this whole concept of blessing up. It's not about, again, about what you accumulate. It's not about what you receive. It's about how you live your life. And in Matthew 5, he starts off the, the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. We see as he did his ministry, people would bring children to Jesus so that he would bless them. All right, Mark 10, 13. People were like gathered around and, and, and bringing their children to him saying, hey, place your hands on them and, and bless them. The disciples were like, well, this is crazy. And in verse 16, it says, he hugged the children and he blessed them, right? He took them in his arms. He hugged them. He placed his hands on them and he blessed them. People realized they needed a blessing and Jesus was there to, to, to show it to them. So how do we live this out? How do we put it into practice? I will tell you, I am not a fan of acrostics. And acrostics where you take one letter from a word and, and make it apply to a point. Because most of them are cheesy. Most of them just don't make sense. Most of them, you'll notice I don't preach in acrostics, hardly ever. Uh, a lot of older preachers have used that method. And for me, I just, it, I don't connect with it, so I don't do it. And so I'm breaking one of my rules now and doing a book that is an acrostic. Because these five letters of bless all stand for something. So let me kind of walk you through it. And, and again, I don't think they're cheesy. That's why I think these actually help us. Uh, they're very simple as part of it, okay? I like simple. Um, so there's not whole statements. They're just simple words here. The first one uh, is begin with prayer. Let me talk about that. That's kind of where we're going to talk the rest of the message today. We're going to begin with prayer. And if we want God to use us to be a blessing, then it has to start with prayer. The second is listen. I think Christians are known more for talking rather than listening. We're known more for proclaiming, shouting, uh, you know, telling everybody. We don't listen well. And if we want to be effective, uh, to be used as a blessing, we've got to learn to listen. The third one, you're going to like this one. Okay? The third one is eat. Can we remember that? E stands for eat. Now, here's the crazy thing. When we look in the Gospels, what we see is that Jesus spent a lot of time eating with his disciples and eating. Uh, he, what was he accused of? He was accused of being a friend, eating with the sinners and, and tax collectors. He, we see so many valuable lessons were, were gathered and shared uh, around meals. And if we're eating 21 meals a week, and for, for you teenagers, that's a whole lot more than that, you've got plenty of times to invite people into your life. And that's really what eating is about. It's not just about the consuming food. It's about inviting people into your everyday life so that they can experience life with you. The, the fourth one is to serve. Uh, we're going to learn about serving. And, and as we pray and we listen and we eat with people, we'll see opportunities that we can serve. 
We can serve in our community. We can serve our neighbor. We can serve those who are lost. We'll see those opportunities, which leads then to the fifth one, which is where we can share our story. We can share God's story and how God is moving in our life and, and what God means to us. And we'll talk about how we do that in, in a world that so desperately needs this. And so these five things together, uh, here's what I like about that. That's not complicated, is it? Every one of you can do this. It's not like, okay, you've got to go and memorize this uh, long uh, formula. No, it's just like this is everyday life. This is how we just do life. And so my goal when we get to the end of this sermon series is not to be like, okay, this was another sermon series at Cornerstone. We learned some good stuff from it. My goal is to be this fundamentally changes how we live our life. This kind of, this becomes a new model for, for how we just do life together, how we live it out, how we put our faith into practice. And, and I don't want this to be just a one-time sermon series. I want this to be a defining moment for our church uh, as we move forward on how we do ministry here in our community. So does, does that excite you guys? Because it does me. Because when I imagine and I can kind of visualize all of us working together doing this, man, this could have such a dramatic impact. So let's kind of dive in today. We're going to start with the first one. Uh, we're going to talk about this beginning with prayer. Prayer is one of those things I think we know we should do it, but we don't always do it, right? So like when you go to the dentist, um, I don't know if y'all can relate to this. They always ask this question. It makes me really uncomfortable. Are you flossing regularly, right? They ask you that. I'm like, yes, very regular. Every time I come see you, my teeth get flossed. And so that's pretty regular, right? I'm not lying. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's very regular. And they're like, and I feel bad sometimes. They're, 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 you do, you're doing such a good job. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, and just before you got crit, I've only had one cavity ever, and I really don't believe that was a cavity. I think he just wanted to drill that day, okay? Um, so it's not, uh, my teeth have done fine, they're good, but flossing is one of, I know they tell you you're supposed to do it, and kids, go home and floss your teeth and listen to your parents, but for me, it just, I've never done it, and I've, it's, it's worked out, okay? Um, and so, um, you know, it's one of those things you, you read about, and you're told, and you're like, oh, yeah, I know I should do it, and it's like dieting and exercise and all those things that we put in that, that folder, like, yeah, it's one of those things we'll get around to one of these days and do, but for right now, I, I'm afraid that prayer, we do the same thing with. It's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, but you pray every day. Oh, yeah, I pray every day, uh, you know, and, but we don't really, we say we do it, but we don't really put emphasis onto it in our life. It's like one of those things that we do it when we have time. We do it when we're not busy. And we have all sorts of excuses. We'll say, you know, I, I am too busy. And we're just saying, like, I've always got stuff going on and I don't have any uninterrupted time. Or you'll say, I just don't know what to say because uh, when I pray, it's like I don't have the right words and I'm not eloquent. Uh, I just don't know what to say. And, and we use that excuse. Or we say, uh, well, I just don't even know if it matters because who cares what I think? God doesn't want to listen to me. And we make those excuses. And, and I want you to know that prayer, we just overcomplicate prayer because it's simply communicating with God. It's a, a two-way conversation. It's talking with the God who created us, and he wants to hear you. 
He wants to spend time with you. I think that's where we get hung up and we don't realize it's not like we're a burden to God. He actually wants us to pray. And, and how do we learn this? Well, we see it in the ministry of Jesus because the ministry of Jesus began with prayer. When Jesus came, God in human flesh, he came and walked on this earth. What we see is that he prayed. He prayed often. His life was filled with these moments of blessing. And everywhere he went, these people experienced these God moments. But he did it rooted in prayer. Prayer was not only how he began his day, it's how he began his whole ministry. In Luke chapter 4, what we see uh, is, uh, you know, he was Uh, he had been baptized and then he was full of the Holy Spirit. He returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And so in this desert, in the wilderness, was a training. It was a preparation. It was fasting. It was praying. It was spending time with his father before he jumped into ministry. And if Jesus, let's be honest, if Jesus, who again is God in the flesh, if he needed this time with the Father, don't you think we'd need it? Don't you think if he needed it to to prepare himself, don't you think we need this time to prepare ourselves? And so he went over and over again. We just see this throughout Jesus's life that he prioritized prayer. Where's Jesus? Oh, he's praying. He's off praying. They couldn't find him. Why? Because he's praying. We, We see when he had big decisions to make, what would he do? He would pray. Luke chapter 6 is one example of this. The moment where he's beginning to to kind of launch the ministry with the disciples, he needed to pick 12 guys. And if I'm him, I'm thinking, okay, who are my leaders? Who, Who are the ones who are eloquent speakers? And who are the ones who are entrepreneurs? And who are ones that can get stuff done? Who are the ones who are like these charismatic people that people will just follow and listen to? And and instead, he picked kind of... I would say unlikely choices here. The uneducated people of the day, right? Uh, the, the Greek word that he picked, he picked the idiots of the day, really, literally. It's what he picked. And that's who he used to start his ministry. And how did he choose them? Right here, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. It says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. He spent the entire night praying and preparing. And so when morning came... He called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles. Simon, who he also named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And so when he was preparing, right, he took time to pray. When he needed strength, he needed wisdom, he needed discernment, he took time to pray. And so Jesus didn't do just what made sense. He didn't do, he spent time to be directed by God to make the choices he needed to make. That's why we begin with prayer. Sometimes the things that make the most sense to us aren't the things that God wants us to do. You may say, oh, of course, I need to do this. It just makes sense. God's saying, wait a minute, I don't always make sense, right? I'll, sometimes I ask you to get out of what's comfortable. I ask you to go to a place that you may not even know where you're going. 
You may not understand why you're going, but I'm going to show you as you are ready. And so one of the things I love about the Chosen series is how you get to see uh, these inner workings and dialogues with the disciples and, and you see how they could have happened. And I love that because it shows us that these are real people, real backgrounds, real stories, real faith. And so once they were ready, Jesus would then send them out to the world. But we just keep looking at how Jesus lived his life. And he prayed at his baptism. He, he, he would withdraw from the crowds by himself to pray. He prayed before he performed miracles. He prayed for his friends. He prayed for us, for unity. He, he spent the night before his crucifixion praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Time and time again, we see this prayer uh, just as a foundation to everything he was doing. Uh, Hudson Taylor was a British missionary to China, and he said this. He said, Do not have your concert first, and then tune your instruments afterwards. Begin the day with the Word of God and prayer, and get first of all into harmony with Him. That would be crazy, right, to have a whole concert and tune at the end of it. And the same thing is true with prayer. It's crazy to go through a whole day and then at the end of the day say, God, uh, bless me, use me, show me your will today because the day's already passed. He's saying, why not get in touch and harmony and tune with God from the very beginning? That's how foundational prayer is. And I love that, right? And, and again, it may mean we have to get up earlier. But if prayer is important, isn't this something that we need to do? It may, may need, it may mean that we have to establish a new routine. It may mean that we have to, to, to take something out and quit doing something that we were doing or reorganize something. But if this is going to be a priority, don't just say it's something I know I should do, but I don't do. You make it a priority and you make it happen. But if we want to live out this mission of making disciples and transforming our world, we've got to begin with prayer. So that leads me to our second point. Why? Right? It's because prayer not only prepares us for our mission, it also helps us discover our mission. Now, I don't know about you, but for, for so many people, like, I want to change the world. I want to make an impact. I want to make a difference. And we're like, how? And like, I don't know. This is how we find out. This is how we discover our mission. We spend time with God. We talk to Him. He reveals things to us as we pray. So that means we're listening. We're sharing what's on our heart. We're, and as we spend time, as we abide with our Father, we get to know our Father's will. And I love that how God prepares us. Corey Ten Boom uh, who survived the Holocaust, this is what she said, we never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plan for the answer. We don't know how he's going to answer them, but he's going to get us involved in it. When we spend time praying, he's going to show us our part. He's going to show us what we need to do. One of the most powerful prayers that we can pray is simply, God, open my eyes today to see how you want to use me. Give me your eyes, Lord. Let, let me see the world from your perspective. It, it's just making ourselves available to say, God, okay, I, I, I'm ready. Use me. Give me opportunities to be your servant today. Give me opportunities to bless someone today. And, and can I just ask you, are those the type of prayers that you're praying? Or are you praying, God, just help me get through this day? 
I've got to get this done, get this done, and this done. I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. God, I need patience. God, I need, God, just help me. Our prayers are self-centered because they're all about us. How about saying, God, oh, I can't wait today. today I get to go. Uh, I'm going shopping. I just Help me to bless someone that I come into contact with because I know there are a lot of hurting people out there. God, uh, I'm going to the workplace today, and we've got, a bit, we've got a deadline we've got to meet, and I know everybody's stressed out, so help me, Lord, just bless someone today. We don't pray like that, boy, because our prayers are about ourselves. We've got to learn how to pray for others. So let's pray specifically for others. Let's pray that, that God would, would use us to be a blessing to others. Uh, Dave Ferguson said this. He said, who wrote the book, he said, I cannot change the world and you cannot change the world. Even prayer alone doesn't change the world. Only God can change the world. However, God uses prayer to change us and then God uses us to change our world. So God changes us. He opens our eyes to opportunities and divine appointments. And, and so often we aren't aware of how God wants to use us because we're so busy to even notice those opportunities. And, and so uh, it, we've got to just set time aside, set time aside to pray. And here's my, my final point this morning is that you can be the answer to someone else's prayer. When we get in tune with God, it's amazing how he uses us to do something for him that, we, that may be the answer to someone else's prayer. In the blessing book, he gives a story from, uh, he shares a story that Beth Moore, uh, the, the women's Bible teacher, uh, she shares in one of her books. And this is what Beth Moore shares. Uh, she was sitting in an airport. Her Bible was open on her lap, enjoying some time reading and praying before her scheduled flight when she glanced up and noticed an old man sitting in a wheelchair. He was abnormally thin, slumped over, but the strangest thing about him was his hair. Stringy and tangled hair hung well over his shoulders and down part of his back. Beth tried to stop staring, but something in her began to stir with emotion for this bizarre-looking old man. In Beth's words, she said, I had walked with God long enough to see the handwriting on the wall. I've learned that when I began to feel what God feels, something so contrary to my natural feelings, something dramatic is bound to happen. I immediately began to resist. I started arguing with God in my mind. Oh no, God, please no. Don't make me witness to this man. And then I heard it. I don't want you to witness to him. I want you to brush his hair. The words were so clear, my heart leapt in my throat and my thoughts spun like a top. After several agonizing moments trying to reason with God that this prompting was ridiculous, right? A red-faced, tentative Beth Moore approached the old man and knelt down before him. May I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? She's in a crowded airport, right? And which he responded very loudly. Little lady, if you expect me to hear you, you're going to have to talk a lot louder than that. At this point, she took a deep breath and blurted out, Sir, may I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? At which point, every eye in the place just turned and looked at him, right? I can just see this. I can, I can picture this. I watched him look up at me with absolute shock on his face and say, If you really want to. She's thinking, Are you kidding? Of course I don't want to. But God didn't seem interested in my personal preference. So I said, Yes, sir, I would be pleased. But I only have one little problem. I don't have a hairbrush. He responded, well, I have one in my bag. So she went to the back of his wheelchair, unzipped his, his carry-on to retrieve 
uh, his hairbrush, started brushing the old man's hair. She continues, a miraculous thing happened to me as I started brushing that old man's hair. Everybody else in the room disappeared. There was no one alive for those moments except that old man and me. I brushed and brushed and brushed until every tangle was out. I know this sounds so strange, but I never felt that kind of love for another soul in my entire life. I believe with all of my heart, I, for that few minutes, I felt a portion of the very love of God. The emotions were so strong and so pure that I knew they had to be God's. His hair was finally as soft and smooth as an infant, so I slipped the brush back into the bag and went around the chair to face him. I got down on my knees. I put my hands on his knees, and I said, Sir, do you know my Jesus? He said, Yes, I do. I've known him since I married my bride. She wouldn't marry me until I got to know the Savior. He said, You see, though, the problem is I haven't seen my bride in months. I've had open heart surgery, and she's been too ill to come see me. I was sitting here thinking to myself, what a mess I must be for before I get to see my wife. And she concludes, only God knows how often he allows us to be part of a divine moment where we're completely unaware of the significance. God had intervened in details only he could have known. It was a God moment, and I'll never forget it. What do you think when I share stories like that, right? We think, oh, that's an awesome story about someone else. What if that story was about how God used you to be the answer to someone else's prayer? What if that story was about how God gave you a prompting? God kind of used you and moved you and, and allowed you to see a need that you didn't even see before. And you were able to, to act on it and share the love of Christ in a tangible way and, and, and share about Jesus. This is what the Christian life should look like for every one of us. And so that's why I'm so excited about being a blessing. Far too often, we, we assume that someone else will handle the tough assignments. Why not say, God, I, I want that to be me. I want you to use me. I, God, I'm ready for the adventure. I'm God, I'm ready. Just show me, send me, use me. That should be our prayer. So I want to close today in our response time doing things a little differently. I've asked a couple guys to hand out cards. And I don't know who they are this service. Uh, somebody's got them. Um, but whoever has them, if you would just start handing these out. These are cards I want to give you. Um, I want to use those uh, today to write down. I want you to start use this response time to be thinking about who God can send you to. Who are you going to start praying for? I think if we pray specifically Say, God, I want to pray for this neighbor. God, I want to pray for this coworker. God, I want to pray for this person. I want to pray for my workplace. I want to pray for my school. Uh, just start praying specifically. I want you to put that on this card. Write it out. There's pens in the seat back. Uh, if you're watching online, you can do this as well. Just write it on something and then put that uh, where it's convenient, where you'll see it during the week. You can put it on your car dashboard. You can put it on your bathroom mirror. You can uh, put it in your locker at school. You can put it somewhere you're going to continue to see it over and over and over again. And I want this week to be a week that we focus on God just opening our eyes. God, show me. God, reveal to me. God, use me. God, I, I'm praying. I'm beginning with prayer here. God, I, I want to, to, to start this process of, of really blessing others. And I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm telling you already, I can't, I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait to see how God uses the people in this church to, to be a blessing. 
And so maybe it's your coworkers, maybe it's neighbors or your families around you on your kid's sports team or whoever it is, the staff at the store, whoever it is, just start looking for ways that you can be a blessing. And here's what I want you to know. Following Jesus, it isn't meant to be comfortable. It's meant to be life-changing. The mission of making disciples, it's not always easy, but it's an adventure. And so if you're ready to to go on this mission with me, let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, just excited about this mission you've given us. This mission to go and make disciples, to work together to do that, and to transform this world we live in. Lord, give us spiritual eyes so that as we walk through our week, as we go through our day-to-day activities, you help us see how we can be a blessing. Lord, we've been blessed. We know that. We've been blessed with our freedom. We've been blessed with jobs. We've been blessed with food on the table. We've been blessed with a place to live. And and God, we've been blessed in so many ways. We've got our health as we sit here today. Lord, use us to, to use those blessings for the sake of others. We have been blessed so that we can be that blessing. Heavenly Father, we we just thank you. We thank you for Jesus, for how he saved us, how he's given us new life. So help us to share that hope, that joy, that faith with others. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today. We want to praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.